When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and the San Francisco 49ers just wrapped up their first live, their first real action since January of 2022. And finally, 49ers football is back. It's here. We are only a few weeks away from the regular season. But on Friday, there was the first NFL preseason game for San Francisco of 2022, week one of the preseason against the Green Bay Packers, and there's a ton to take away from that game. And today we'll look at Trey Lynch's performance against Green Bay. Also, a lot to like from their young class, the young 49ers, the rookies that played on Friday against Green Bay, and of course, the return of stock up and stock down. But first, we have some house cleaning to do, and it has to do with injuries and roster cuts. Uh, We'll get into the injuries first. The first injury is, it came out on Friday prior to the game that Elijah Mitchell running back, he's likely going to miss the entirety of the preseason due to a hamstring strain. Uh, A little worrisome, I will say that. Mitchell was banged up last year despite playing well down the stretch, uh, was running back number one the majority of the season when healthy. But again, injuries happen. There's a reason why I'm very pro keeping five to six running backs in this room simply because these things happen. And in Shanahan's scheme, it's reliant on the running back. And with one of them already down for what seems like the next three, potentially, hopefully not longer, but potentially longer hamstrings can linger. So Elijah Mitchell is out for the rest of the preseason. That was per Adam Schefter. Daniel Brunskill, uh, he got himself injured against the Packers. He's going to be out for a few weeks also with the hamstring strain. So Spencer Burford may be taking over. He started on Friday against Green Bay. Brunskill's out. Jake Brendel in that center position. It seems like we're getting some clarity on what's going to happen with the interior of the offensive line. But the biggest injury thus far we've heard from is that of Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward suffered a hamstring strain that seemed like yesterday in a light practice uh, at the Niners facility. He suffered, again, a hamstring strain, and he could, and it seems like it's leaning towards him missing week one against the Chicago Bears. Now, Kyle Shanahan today, that being Tuesday, or Monday, Monday, uh, August 15th, said that it's it's looking like he could miss and it's it's really rather serious hamstring strains obviously can linger but it looks like it's more serious than Brunskill's and Elijah Mitchell's hamstring strains so uh, something to keep an eye out for Kyle Shanahan did say they want to add somebody at that position now Dante Johnson could always be that person sliding from corner to safety played safety somewhat last year when injuries hit this roster he's also played safety in camp a little bit, so there is some flexibility there, but the issue is, uh, Dante Johnson's also hurt. So, 
you have to wonder, could maybe some like Marcelino McCreary ball slide up there? We don't know. Maybe they can add somebody else. But right now, it looks like Tavarius Moore, George Odom, and Talanoa Hufunga could be your, your trio of starting safeties uh, come week one against Chicago. On the other hand, roster cuts came out today. The Niners have waived the following players. Fullback Josh Hokett, receiver Keyshawn Johnson, and defensive lineman Tomasi Leilali. I believe that's how you say his name. I don't want to say it wrong. I believe it's Leilali. Hopefully that's right. But if not, I apologize. Uh, But the other surprising release, all those seem very by-the-book guys who were on the border of the roster. The other one is Darquez Denard was released today, and that kind of surprised people. I assumed maybe he wasn't a lock, but he was a strong candidate to be the starting uh, nickelback for this team. Kayvon Williams is gone. He's now in Denver. They wanted to bring someone in or carry somebody over from last year's team that has familiarity in the system. I thought that was going to be Darquez Denard. Obviously not the case. Surprised many people out there in the community, but can someone say Samuel Womack's season? We'll get to him later, but Samuel Womack, an impressive outing against Green Bay, it may have kind of reaffirmed some some uh, some 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 positivity. It may have reaffirmed their belief and trust in him that he can carry uh, the Nickelback job, or at least it can be the starter year one. A big vote of confidence for the rookie there. But let's get into what you actually want to talk about. You don't care about the Nickelback, and you don't care about who's the four safety on a team. What you truly care about is Trey Lance. That's what all these podcasts are about. You know, how do you grade Trey Lance's performance against the Green Bay Packers? Did you give it an A? Did you think he stunk? You want to know what I thought, and I want to know what you think about Trey Lance's performance against the Green Bay Packers. To tell me what you think, go on our social media at 49ers.access as the Instagram, the Twitter, 49ers underscore access. Let me know what you think or what you thought of Trey Lance's week one of the preseason performance, his two drives against the Green Bay Packers. What would you grade it and what were your takeaways? So when it comes to Trey Lance, the one thing that the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, all eyes are on Trey Lance. You know, to quote Tupac, all eyes are on me. No, no, all eyes are on Trey Lance. This is the moment. The moment he took the field, albeit it's preseason, it doesn't really matter the outcome. Niners win, who cares? We want to see what Trey Lance is going to look like. You heard them announce the offense, them announce his name, the cheers go crazy, he jogs onto the field to take his first snap as the official starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. You hear the roar of the crowd and you're saying, this is the moment we've been waiting for for seven months. You said goodbye Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance is our starting quarterback, and this is the moment for Lance to make his first impression. Now again, it doesn't count. It's preseason, but this is the moment where if Trey Lance came out flat-footed, fell on his face, there were going to be a, a large majority of people that said, See, I told you so. They should they should have kept Jimmy Garoppolo. They, 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 they shouldn't have drafted Trey Lance. Oh, no, no, all that stuff. But this was Lance's first impression post-Jimmy Garoppolo. And we've heard the training camp reports. I've I've seen him in person 
at training camp firsthand. There were some good, there were some bad. What was he going to carry over from camp? Was it going to be the strength? Were we going to see some of those weaknesses carry into preseason action? And so if you ask me, the big question, what did Trey Lance look like to me? I was, I was, I was pleased. I thought Trey Lance looked really good. There was some good, there was some bad, and the bad is really more nitpick stuff. Like, none of it was bad in the sense of like, oh, like, it was not egregious. It was like, with more reps, that will get cleaned up. And that is the best case scenario for any young quarterback, right? The last thing you want to see is, you know, bad decision making. And there was none of that. The last thing you want to see is rush in the pocket, the inability to control the play. And I thought Trey Lance looked extremely poised in the pocket. He was rushed a few times. He stepped up in the pocket. He even slid for the first time. Take that play where he avoids some pressure, maneuvers, steps up in the pocket, and runs for I think it was about seven yards. Look at that play. And the beauty of it is, is Trey Lance... And it's you know, people say, well, he's a running first quarterback. And sometimes a young quarterback, we saw it against the Cardinals last year, they can rely on their physical gifts. And one of his physical gifts happened to be the ability to run the football. So sometimes when they feel pressure, they will revert back to what, ha- you know, the, the easiest thing to do is just run. Give me two yards and run. It's not the smartest play, but they do that. And Trey Lance on Friday against the Packers, he had shown that from last year against the Cardinals, he has grown as a quarterback. He was moving in the pocket. There was comfortability in the offense of, I know I have time. I can trust even my second, third string receivers to maneuver in the pocket, move up in the pocket, continue to look to throw first. The beauty of Trey Lance of what he showed on Friday was the ability to maneuver in the pocket and keep his eyes downfield, right? The one thing you don't want to be as a quarterback that's young and can run is, you know, I feel pressure, gone. I feel pressure, run. You want to you want to have the ability to maneuver in the pocket, keep your eyes downfield, and look to throw first. Still look for the bigger gain. Then when all else is, all, all else has failed, everyone's covered, then you run. Running is usually your last option, and Trey Lance showed that he's not looking just to run. When he when he moves and scrambles, he's still looking to throw. That is good progression. We are seeing, at least in that small play, progression from where he was last year. I also like the ability to control the field. Never once did I feel like things were haywire where he was a young quarterback. I felt like, okay, like, yes, there are, you know, the, the anticipation, the, you know, what is he going to look like? Oh, like, play-by-play, play, you're like, well, you know, what's this going to be? But I never felt like he was letting things get out of control. Like, he was sacked uh, in the game, and, you know, he was still maneuvering in the pocket, doing good things, but he was sacked. And sometimes the first hit can rattle somebody, can make them go, Oh, you know, it, you know. Now I have to run first, so or, or, or I can't trust my offensive lineman. And I like that he took that and he just kind of he was calm. Next play, next play. Sometimes even with Jimmy Garoppolo, while I love Jimmy, there were times where if he felt like he couldn't trust his offensive line, he would get a little rattled. 
Now, he would eventually calm down and get comfortable, but the place afterwards, there you could tell there was maybe a little unease. And with Lance, despite him being so young, he had control of the play. And I've used this analogy plenty of times where in baseball, as a pitcher or the, the batter, you're taught to control the at-bat. As a batter, take your time, you know, call timeout. Like you are in control. Don't let the pitcher take control and vice versa. The pitcher, step off, you know, go at your pace. You're in control of the, the at-bat. Don't let the opposition take control. Trey Lance did just that. He was in control of every single play, every single snap. It felt like there was confidence oozing from him, from the field to his players through the TV. I get it. He played two drives. That is absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. But it's the small stuff in a small sample size that makes you feel confident that he can do this. Now, on the negative side of things, and these are kind of nitpicks, uh, some passes were still high toward the boundary. Now, the Ross Dwelly catch, good catch by Dwelly. Yes, Lance completed the pass. That's what matters. That being said... Just as we complain with Jimmy Garoppolo, where some passes were high, some of them were low, uh, Trey Lance did miss some passes high and even behind someone or close to being behind them, like Ross Dwelly. Uh, people can, you know, there's a tweet that said, you know, all of his passes are on point. That's not true. But it doesn't mean they can't be eventually. Now, I can forgive a play like the Danny Gray play towards the sideline where. While Danny Gray still caught the ball, albeit out of bounds, that's a timing play towards the boundary. Lance, if you watch JTO Sullivan's breakdown of Lance's film, he mentions that this play, uh, you can see, because if Lance takes one, two, three, go, that ball is there and it's delivered. Um, and that just seems like it's a timing route that when you build confidence, you build, you build chemistry, those plays will come. And maybe if it's the Brandon Ayuk, that play is you know, complete, and it's a 15-yard gain. But with Danny Gray, who Trey Lance and Danny Gray have both said, they have not, you know, they haven't been playing much together simply because Gray was hurt earlier in camp. And also, uh, Gray has taken snaps with the number twos and threes sometimes. So, like, I, I can forgive that stuff. Now, does do the high throws, the behind throws need to be cleaned up? Of course they do. But small nitpicks, small things where... But the more Lance works on his footwork, his mechanics, those things will get cleaned up. But by no means did I watch this game on Friday against the Packers and say, he's not ready. In fact, I could say that he looked more than ready. That the year to prepare, the year to get ready, the year under Jimmy Garoppolo in the system to learn it, he looks prepared to lead this offense. Now again, it's two drives. And I will say this, my biggest gripe, my biggest complaint of his 4-for-5 outing with 92 yards and one touchdown, my biggest complaint about his entire his entire performance, his outing, isn't even, like, it's the most petty and dumb thing to complain about. And, and, and I kind of hinted at it, you know, when I previewed the game and what I expected from Lance, what I wanted to see from Trey Lance. Trey Lance ticked all my boxes in regards to positives, but one. And the one thing is just like, are you really complaining about that? 
My one complaint was I was upset that he hit the deep ball. Now I know, I know, Sterling, you're complaining about the home run ball. I know, I know. But like I said last week, I already know Lance can hit that play. And I'm extremely happy that he lets it rip. That's what you want in a quarterback. Kyle Shanahan has said during training camp, I want the guys to let it rip. Jimmy Garoppolo may have been a little hesitant at times to throw deep. It really wasn't a facet in his game. Trey Lance said, well, it it may be the best part of my game. (laughs) And so I am extremely happy about that. That being said, where I mentioned the timing with Danny Gray towards the sideline, where I mentioned uh, the the inaccuracies, although complete, the inaccuracies to Ross Dwelly, the high, little behind the receiver throws. I was upset that he had made the home run play, not because I don't want that, but because that's not, you know, that's not a negative or something he needs to work on, really. I would have rather had him Knowing he can already make that 76-yard touchdown pass, that pretty pass that showed a ton of touch, something that he does that he does not show in the intermediate routes towards the sideline, like the touch to Gray for the home run play, the big touchdown pass. There was touch. The ball wasn't. It wasn't like a, just a go route. It was there was touch towards the sideline. He didn't gun it in. He lofted it over the defender. It was a perfect pass. Perfect pass. That being said. I would have rather had him do an 8 to 10 play drive, 8 to 12 play drive, work the intermediate stuff, continue to work on his timing, work on the mechanics, continue to build that muscle memory over the home run play. And it's not because he can't hit that or that's not going to be there during the regular season, but there are going to be defenses like the Rams, maybe even like the Cardinals the Buccaneers, where they're going to take that home run play away, or it's not going to be there a lot, and you're going to have to, you know, slice and dice a defense, and I want him to be fully prepared to do that. I'm not saying that he can't do that, or will not eventually be able to do that. What I'm saying is is that that is not, there are some inconsistencies in that part of his game, and for Trey Lance, a preseason game that doesn't count. You're getting reps against maybe the number twos of Green Bay, but it's an opposing defense that doesn't really know your offense, hasn't seen them for you know a month and a half now in OTAs and training camp and practices every single day. I want you to work on maybe the weaker sides of your game. That way, you're an all-around player. That way we don't go into the season looking at, well, he has the home run ball, He's okay in the short in the, the short dump off passes. He has the ability to run. The pocket presence is there. But over the middle of the field where Debo Samuel and George Kittle make a lot of their money, he struggles somewhat. That's what I don't want. And yes, he's 22, only started two games his entire life, played 10 quarters. All of this will come with time. I'm not saying he has to be perfect. I just want him to work on his craft where he has struggled the most. And so I would give him an A-. minus. I thought Trey Lance looked really good. Now, I'm not going to come out here and say, they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I will say Trey Lance 
in a singular outing who may not play week two against the Vikings of preseason. I can't wait to hear how he carries that confidence over from the Green Bay game and into joint practices. But I will say that what I saw is everything that I believe Trey Lance can be. And I do think there is more to what he can be than what we saw. The pocket presence. The ability to maneuver in the pocket and still look to throw. The ability to scramble and slide for the first time in his whole career. What the heck? But the ability to slide and get down, protect himself. To command the offense. To hit the home run play. All that stuff. Two thumbs up. Like, you want to talk about he's going to be Mahomes 2.0 and all that stuff. I, I don't believe that. He'll be his own player. But the elite traits that I believe he had coming out of college, the reason why I was okay with him sitting for a year, like it looked like all of that paid off for just two drives. Now it can change come week one against the Bears in Chicago, against their you know against their number one you know defense against their first stringers. It can look totally different. But he didn't have Trent Williams, he didn't have Elijah Mitchell, he didn't have Debo Samuel, he didn't have George Kittle, and he didn't have Brandon Ayuk. His favorite receivers. Like, to me, that's a big... Like, you look at it and you go, Yeah, he was playing against the twos, but he didn't even have his ones. Imagine if he had his ones. Imagine if the pocket didn't break down as much. Like, so, again, the elite traits are there. He put those on display. Run. Home run ball. Now, coming into joint practices, carry it over. Into week two, week three, however much he plays, I don't know. That being said, I want him to play as much as possible. I want to hear him, you know, Lance, yeah, he had a couple home run plays, but he is gaining, you know, he, he he's improving in the intermediates. The timing's getting better towards the sideline, the boundary. Over the middle, passes have gone from behind receivers or high receivers to shoulder width, catchable balls, where they can create the yak where they can you know gain you know five six seven more yards because the ball is leading them like it's there I I can see the potentials there I just want more in regards of playtime you can you can hit the home run ball but I want to see 10 12 play drives take time off the clock like there there are going to be times where it's like you have to take you know you're up by seven there's six minutes left can you take six minutes off the clock for me against Matthew Stafford? You're up by 10 with you know a quarter left. Can you go out there and have a 10-minute drive against the Rams like Garoppolo did? Because that stuff, while maybe you can say it's annoying, it's frustrating, that means something. To control the clock that way, and we know that the running game wasn't perfect against Green Bay. There are going to be injuries at times. The offensive line, while they have a good performance, there are still questions there. Uh, you're, like, there, there are things to worry about of can they do that. And if you can control the clock, control the ball, control the play, control the bat, whatever you want to say, it puts the opposition's backs against the wall. And, that, and then you add on the elite traits that Trey Lance has, the potential he has. I mean, oh my goodness. Like, the, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> if you could combine the elite traits of Trey Lance and the ability over the middle and, and the ability to control the clock like Garoppolo had, 
I think you'd have the perfect quarterback. <laughs> like You would have Tom Brady circa 2007 with Randy Moss, but with wheels. Like, that's insane. <laughs> now, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Trey Lance, a good week one. Everything I wanted from week one outside of maybe a longer drive. But man, it, it was... It was... <laughs> man, I, I'm... I'm almost speechless because I, I, I really do hate complaining about the dumbest thing. Like, I'm sitting here trying to find a negative, and I'm like, oh, the, well, the deep ball, the deep ball was maybe a negative. And it's like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but like, man, was it pretty? Was, was Is it nice to have that ability in the offense? Uh, so let's move over to some of the rookies that I thought performed very well on Friday against the Packers. The first one, of course, that being Danny Gray, 76-yard touchdown. You know, he burned by a guy. This is the reason why they brought him into the offense. They want to have a burner, right? They want to have someone that can get behind any defensive back in the league. Danny Gray, he's gaining confidence. And you give a speed threat like Danny Gray confidence you better hit the panic button because he's not going to be out there all the time, but when he's out there, uh, it's go time. And again, week one, you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to go crazy and you overreact to everything, but the young players on this team performed very well. I already mentioned Danny Gray, Samuel Womack had two interceptions, uh, and they were really good interceptions, and I'll get into more of him later. But uh, Marcelino Ball, uh, McCrary Ball had an INT, returned it like 50, 60 yards. He showed his speed, showed his coverage skills. Uh, he looks like a solid pickup as a linebacker safety hybrid. Kind of like Marcel Harris, but probably a better safety than Harris was. Which is always better to have. <laughs> better coverage skills as a linebacker, which you can take from your safety experience. Then Brock Purdy, he even looked nice. And I was kind of joking on Twitter. I was like, if you squint really hard, he, he kind of looks like Jimmy Garoppolo. And what I mean by that is that like he he can maneuver a little bit in the pocket, but not too much. He and it's it's probably because he wears a number in the tens. I think he's fourteen. He wears a number in the tens. He wears the like the three quarter white arm sleeves. And it's like, in his throwing motions, kind of like Jimmy. His mechanics are kind of like Jimmy. Now, albeit he's not Jimmy by any means, but he, the styles are very similar. And when I was when I was looking at him pre-draft and saying like, this could be a guy San Francisco looks at maybe as an undrafted guy or late round guy. And not to pat myself on the back, but I did like Brock Purdy. He was my number two guy. And it's funny because Bailey Zapp, I believe is his name, uh, he's now in New England. And he looked like Garoppolo too. <laughs> and maybe it was because you want your backup quarterback to just do the simple stuff right. And Garoppolo was doing a lot of the simple stuff kind of perfectly. But he wasn't doing the elite stuff very well. And so with with Brock Purdy, it was like, well, he's doing all the, the simple stuff really well here. He marched his team down the field. He ate some clock. He threw a beautiful touchdown pass. Almost had two of them towards the sideline, but Austin Mack couldn't bring it in. And it's like he threw a nice fade route for a two-point conversion. Like, again, 
he'll be a practice squad guy this year, but I've talked about how plenty of times where maybe next year they look at Purdy and go, we can have two young quarterbacks that aren't getting paid anything and have no guaranteed money or very little guaranteed money on the books, save us more money, roll some cap over, and maybe buy another cornerback or a safety, whatever it may be, extend somebody else. Uh, again, against the threes and fours against Green Bay, so much to be seen, but from a confidence standpoint, uh, Brock Purdy looked better than Jordan Love. From like an on-the-field like consistency standpoint, yes, he had two touchdowns that being Jordan Love, but he threw three picks. Brock Purdy had some iffy balls here or there, but he was precise. He seemed very confident in what he was doing. And I don't know if Jordan Love's confidence has been, you know, kind of hindered by Aaron Rodgers. Is you know, like, will, will they, won't they keep him? Will he, won't they be there? But it just seemed like Brock Purdy had a better idea of what he was doing offensively than Jordan Love. That's not me saying he's better than Jordan Love by any means, but from one game, you know, one outing, a quarter of play, it just seemed like Brock Purdy had a good idea and was very confident on the field. The other thing is, and this was probably my biggest gripe of the game offensively, was that the running game was kind of just, meh. Meh. There was nothing there, and and I get it. You have three newer interior offensive linemen. Trent Williams isn't there, but while I did like what I saw from Trey Sermon, although the yards weren't there, he didn't have any explosive plays. He looked more confident, of more decisive of where to run with the football. Last year it was jump, 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 jump. I don't know where to go. Like the hole isn't there in in college at Ohio State at Oklahoma, which is where he was at. Uh, the holes are pretty big to run through. Like, you don't have to create your own hole or fight to get three or four yards. I like that he was more decisive. Um, he wasn't afraid to, you know, find a small hole and gain just two or three yards and let a play go. Last year, one of the issues with him was, well, he didn't know where to go with the ball entirely, follow his blockers. He also was always trying to get the big game, which isn't a bad thing. Like, I like that he was looking for the home run ball a lot and trying to get, you know, the biggest bang for his buck, but sometimes you just have to take what the defense gives you. And sometimes that's nothing. Sometimes that's one or two yards, and you can fight and fight and push, and that's where your physical strength can gain you three or four yards. Like, Sonny Michelle isn't the fastest guy. Sonny Michelle isn't the biggest guy, but he's strong and he's sturdy and he has his legs under him. He's not afraid to hit the hole or, or or get behind his blockers and push and push and push and push and that gains you four yards like that's the stuff I want Trey uh, or I want Trey Sermon to do but also he's a read option running back I don't understand why Kyle Shanahan is not using him as a read option running back it's week one of the preseason schemes like they're not scheming up against Green Bay like I, I get it there are things that he's not going to show in preseason. Kyle Shanahan doesn't show much in preseason. But his strength and what he ran primarily in college was read options. Trey Lance is good at read options. He's good in play action. He knows how to fake and keep the ball or hand it off. That, that's a, that is a Trey Lance strong suit. Why is Trey Sermon not doing that? I have not seen Trey Sermon run five read options through preseason games and through regular season games from last year to this year. Like, that frustrates me. And maybe it happens and it's like, oh, cool, you know, like, they figure that out. 
But look at his tape. He's rarely ever running between the tackles in eye formation and in pistol. He's not doing that. He rarely ran outside zone in college. He ran read option. But getting back to the rookies, the tirade's over, I promise. But Ty Davis Price, I thought it was okay. You can see that he has the strength. He likes he he looks for contact, and I like that. But you can tell there was again of you know it's his first real in-game experience since LSU since being drafted. You can tell there was some indecisiveness, and in the NFL that hole lasts for a second, a split second, and you got to hit it and you got to go. And so uh, I think with Ty Davis Price, we may see some of the Trey Sermon struggles when it comes to getting on the field simply because of the indecisiveness of when to hit the hole, the timing of things, of you don't have time to consider what hole to hit. You just got to go. And I think there was some of that on Friday. Uh, right now, if you were to ask me depth chart-wise, it would go Mitchell, Jeff Wilson are your one and two. Um, and, and, and I thought Jeff Wilson could have got cut, uh, depending on what Ty Davis Price showed. But I think it's Mitchell and Wilson are your one and two guys. Uh, you'll probably have Trey Sermon and Jermichael Hasty is kind of your your three and four kind of combination, and then Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason are kind of your your five and six mix and match guys, depending on who they want to keep. Um, but then speaking of Jordan Mason, uh, I really liked what I saw from Jordan Mason, and he was a guy who I said could surprise. Uh, undrafted free agent, he's fast, he's quick. I thought he shined a little more. Then Ty Davis Price and even Jeff Wilson, albeit earlier in camp rather than later in camp, I thought Mason shined uh, a lot brighter than some of the guys who had been there for a little bit uh, in training camp. And I think he shined against the twos and threes and fours against Green Bay, where uh, you know he had five carries or five yards per carry, excuse me. He had thirty yards total. And the one thing I like about him, and Ty Davis Price has this quality too, but. Jordan Mason runs violent, like violent. He reminds me of Jeff Wilson Jr., where he just runs violently. Whether it's there's no hole there, you know, there's no room to maneuver, there is a hole there. He's like, if I can't hit the defensive line, I'm going to hit the linebacker. If I can't hit the linebacker, I'm going to hit the safety. I want to punish someone every single play and he actually looked a lot more comfortable in the in the scheme in the system than Ty Davis Price and even Trey Sermon a little bit in my opinion but we already talked about how Trey Sermon is a read option guy and isn't being used right so whatever um the final rookie that I liked a lot before he actually got hurt was Drake Jackson shoulder stinger he's fine he'll be okay but did you see him chase down Jordan Love on the sideline like, I mean, come on. That's, you're going to give me that next to Nick Bosa for hopefully the next five, six seasons? I mean, good luck. Any opposing quarterback has two athletic freaks, genetic freaks, playing defensive end. The fact, look, I didn't think San Francisco was going to go defensive line early in this draft, especially with their first pick, because they were so deep there, but oh my goodness, Drake Jackson, from a, from strictly a athletic ability, physical ability 
standpoint, it's just not fair. Jordan Love was full sprint, stopped the cut back and throw, and Drake Jackson, who was a defender, like mirrored him, mirrored him. And he's 6'3", 290. 6'3", 270. Jordan Love is like 210, 6'4", and runs like a 4'7". Like, it like <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Which is why it's like incredible to witness that and go, I wish he had more time to play, but like Drake Jackson's gonna get some run. I don't know how much, but he's been you know, he's been playing well in practices in training camp. He showed that ability uh in a very small sample size against Green Bay. But him against Minnesota him against the Bears offensive line, which I think gave up five sacks in their first preseason game. I mean, good God. Last year was the Niners kind of coming out party against the Bears, turn their season around. They could have six sacks against them in week one. But now you're adding in Drake Jackson and Charles Amenehu and Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa. It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> like... You're adding Drake Jackson into a fray that has some of the best and really is the best defensive lineman from the coaching staff to the last depth guy in the entire NFL. Like, oh my goodness. Drake Jackson. Good, good God. <laughs> I'm I'm excited <laughs> for Drake Jackson. Uh, but yeah, the one thing I do want to say is uh, the, the running back room did leave a little bit, you know, did leave some room for improvement. Chris Herman, Teddy Vis Price, Jordan Mason, you know, against the twos and threes, I get that stuff. They're young, inexperienced, they're rookies. What do you expect? There's going to be struggles. Got that good, check it off. We get that, it's understood. But for an offense that prides itself on running scheme, it's preseason, whatever. But I, I would like to see more from them. Simply because... Shanahan's going to scheme you the perfect running play. And, and it's not just the running backs. It's the offensive line, too. They have to create holes. They, they, there, are so many, there are so many factors that play into a good running game. One of them being Kyle Shanahan's scheme. The other being the running back. The other being the offensive line. We got that. I just want to see more. It, it just seemed very lackluster. It didn't seem very Shanahan-esque. Now, I'm not saying they've got to go for 135 yards. It was just like... There's no punch here. The ball wasn't moving on the ground outside of Jordan Mason, who averaged five yards per carry. And so, like, I want to see more from Trey Sermon and Ty Davis-Price, and maybe if Jeff Wilson's back uh, for maybe a preseason game or two, but I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him out. Because with Mitchell's injury, why risk somebody else getting hurt? Um, but also, and this is a small factor here, and maybe the reason why there wasn't much was they got, like, six legit running backs. Six legit ones that can play a role. Mitchell and Wilson are your ones and twos. Trey Sermon and Hasty are kind of your pass catch and read option guys. And then you have Mason and Ty Davis Price who are, your, who are like your violent, I need two yards, fight for everything you can kind of guys, but have some shiftiness too. Like they have six legit guys that can play a role, whether it's depth or start. And I think a lot of them could start or be a number two on plenty of other teams in the league. I wonder if Shanahan was kind of hiding them. Because, and I put on Twitter after the game that I don't want to cut any of these guys. I would rather keep six running backs than six receivers. There's just no point. 
There's no point in keeping a sixth receiver who you can cut and will make it past waivers, who you can put on your practice squad, and then have five running backs, which the, the guy you cut, whoever it may be, he's he not going to make it past waivers. You're never going to see him again. Like there, There's more value on this team currently in six running backs than six receivers. But you got Debo, Ayuk, McLeod, Gray, and Jennings. Boom, there's your five. Now give me Mitchell, Wilson, Hasty, Sermon, Price, and Mason. Like, there's just no reason to cut any of these people, in my opinion. So, that is what it is. We'll see what happens. There's two more preseason games left. Injuries will occur, hopefully not, but we'll see. But I think I know what you want to hear next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And that is the return, the week one of the NFL preseason edition of Stock Up and Stock Down. Alrighty, Stock Up, Stock Down has returned for the NFL preseason. This is where we look at players each game, each week, and say, is their stock going up? Is their stock going down? How well do they perform? I only pick about two to three, maybe six on the top end of players. Usually it's three up and it's three down. Who I thought stood out and who I really didn't think played very well in that week's game. The first stock up, because we always want to start positively on the program, and it's kind of a twofer. My first stock up of this week one edition of Stock Up, Stock Down is Aaron Banks and Spencer Burford. Starting with Aaron Banks, second round pick last year, didn't play much, had weight issues, couldn't get his feet under him. He had a clean sheet starting at left guard with no Trent Williams next to him against the Packers, no pressures allowed the body control was there he knew what he was doing he looked ready for week one of the nfl season all the hard work he had put in to get his body right to learn the scheme to get more comfortable knowing the offense sitting back for an entire year behind lakin tomlinson i'm assuming picking his mind constantly all the work he put in he was at the niners facility all off season all last year trying to make sure he can get on the field this year because he knew he didn't know if Lake and Tomlinson was coming back, whether a right guard or left guard. And I can tell you now that work has paid off from what we've seen thus far. He did a great job picking up the stunt on Trey Lance's deep ball. It was a great block. Him and Jake Brendel seemed to have some good chemistry there of knowing where to go and knowing how to feel for each other on the offensive line. Chemistry is so important on the offensive line. It seems like he has that, the camaraderie with Brendel already. Now you give him a top left tackle next to him. Aaron Banks looked really good against the Packers. And Spencer Burford, well, he, he didn't have a clean slate. I think he played the longest of any offensive lineman, and he needs it. He needs it. 
Just like Aaron Banks didn't have a lot of experience last year, which cost him not playing. Obviously, you had Tomlinson in front of him. Burford doesn't have a solidified uh, veteran in front of him. Yes, Daniel Brunskill is there, but now he's hurt. So it opens the door for Spencer Burford to take that job. And I think Burford, while he still needs time to get his feet under him, his mentality is right. He wants to hit someone. He wants to punish a defensive lineman, a linebacker, for even stepping up as his adversary. He's a mauler, and I think Kyle Shanahan's going to love that. Uh, he was good in pass blocking again. It was not a, you know, no pressures allowed. He didn't have a clean slate, but I do think we're, there were building blocks there to build off of. So I think Spencer Burford, it kind of looks like the offensive line is going to be, at least by week one, Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, and Mike McGlinchey with Daniel Brunskill having the injury, going to be recovering for about a couple weeks here. That might go to Burford just by default. And I think if he can step up and he can start his rookie year and give this team flexibility with Brunskill as the backup to play center, to play right guard, to even swing to tackle if need be, it's good stuff. The first stock down is actually one that I I really don't even want to mention, but he didn't play very well. Now, early in the game, this player was around the ball early and often. I was thinking, well, you know, it's a pretty good start. He's excited to be out there. He hasn't played in a couple years because of injury. You know, he, he looks pretty good. He's excited. Uh, there seems to be, you know, this radar of whoever has the ball, I have to make sure I'm around them. But then, fourth down, gives up a home run, and gives up the big touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs. And this player is, if you don't know by now, it's Tarverius Moore. He's someone who I'm really high on, at least as a depth backup guy. I just think he, he can do something for this defense. But his performance on Friday really, really wasn't that good. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. First live action back against an actual opponent in over a year, over a year and a half, but he has to be our first stock down of this week. Our second stock up, technically our third, but our second stock up, uh, arguably the biggest stock up, that being Samuel Womack third. Now, I mentioned Womack early on in, in, in training camp as someone to look out for, and I have heaped the praises of him uh, ever since I've been going to camp the past couple weeks. He's flashed in camp. He carried it over in-game action uh, he mentioned in his in, in his post-game press conference that the route that he got his second interception on was a route that he has seen him practice over and over and over again and he mentioned I took that you know, like I knew what the route was because I had it in my head that to me shows you that what you're practicing that's now carrying over into live game action that's what you want to see from a young person the studying the the experience is paying off for him early he's smart to go I can trust my instincts this is where this ball is going to be this is where the receiver is going to run and I'm going to jump it I'm going to trust myself to jump it and while that was his second interception not all interceptions are created equal some plays are just thrown right to your hands and you catch it and whatnot and you're like yeah that's kind of a gimme both of his picks were they were really good <laughs> like he jumped the route on the second one. In the first one, I mean, he fought for that ball. Ripped it out of the receiver's hand towards the sideline. And he said, it because I knew I caught that. I knew I caught that. And 
the one thing with Womack that at least, you know, you can get from the press conferences and seeing him play is that, one, he's very confident in himself. He kind of has that innocent confidence where it's like, yeah, I'm just taking what I learned from practice, but also, like, I knew I caught that ball. Like, I know. And that's what I love, where you give this kid confidence. He's already shown he's instinctual. He already has shown he's smart. And right now, the Niners have seen that, too. They cut Darquez Tenard, who was supposed to be their starting nickel cornerback from what you know, all indications were from the beat writers, from what I had seen. It just seemed like Darquez Denard was kind of a, maybe not a lock, but he was someone they were comfortable at least playing there while Womack and Castro Fields and, and other young players like Lenore kind of got up to speed and continued to progress. The Niners said, you're all wrong. We love Spencer Womack. He has shown enough in two weeks of time, or I guess three weeks, to training camp and one real game to say, hey, Denard, we don't we don't need you. So, you know, Womack right now is your starting nickel cornerback, and you're telling me that at, at one point we're going to have Traverius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Jason Verrett hopefully healthy, Ambry Thomas on the outside, and then we're going to have Adante Johnson and Daniel Womack nickel cornerback group, and, I mean... You could think that you wanted Dante Johnson, but the, the possibility of having a ball hawk in Traverius Ward for what seems like a guy with a knack for the ball and, and Samuel Womack against guys like Cooper Cup. And, and again, I said it over and over and over again. You want to make a young quarterback feel comfortable, get him the ball back. Any mistake he makes, have the ability to give him another shot to make up for it. Samuel Womack has that. That, that's just who he is. It's who he was in Toledo. It's who he is now in San Francisco. Like He's shown that over and over and over again in camp and now in games. If he can carry over, like this is good stuff. Really good stuff. A good void of confidence uh, for Samuel Womack from this Niners brass to say, look, right now you're our guy. Like We trust you enough after one real game to be our guy. Definitely an, an easy, a given stock up for Samuel Womack. Our second stock down, though, is one that I wasn't sure what to make of this player after 2019. Because this player stepped in for Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey, played pretty well in their absence in a much-needed stretch of the season to get us to the playoffs, to help us while those guys, all Hall of Fame, Pro Bowl-level guys, were out. But... Justin Skule on Friday, again, another guy who's injured, a very common uh, common thing to see in our stock downs this week. Uh, guys who are returning from injury, haven't played well, better in practices than in in-game action, but he gave up a ton of pressures, he mishandled some, some, some run blocks, uh, and for a guy who's vying for a backup tackle position, uh, he may already be behind Colton McKivitz. Uh, Jalen Moore when he comes back from injury and maybe even Jordan Mills who while he hasn't been amazing uh, he's the one they brought in as a free agent to actually you know, be a body in the absence of Jalen Moore Mills has performed fairly well I don't know if it's enough to beat out school but right now school is on the outside looking in from a bubble perspective of who may get cut in the upcoming weeks in our last stock up for week one of the NFL preseason to wrap up the podcast is Larry Kruger's favorite guy, it seems like, Marcelino McCrary Ball. 
Now, again, I mentioned at the top of the show, Jimmy Ward's hurt, may miss week one. This team only has four safeties, one of them Taylor Hawkins. I don't know if he'll make this team. He may, he may not. That depends on how comfortable they feel, in my opinion, with Marcelino McCrary Ball. Now, you can say, well, doesn't Ball play linebacker? Yes, he plays linebacker. This team already has Fred Warner. This team already has Al Shire and Greenlaw and Oren Burks and Flanagan Foles. But the one thing Ball has that they don't is the experience playing safety. And let's say you like Hufanga, you like George Odom, but you just need a body. Tarverius Moore is also there, but you just need a body to play one or two weeks. Marcelino McCrary Ball is a guy that can do that. He can play in the box as a linebacker. He's built like a linebacker. He puts some weight on. He played safety in college. He has the knack uh, or, or a, a good pass coverage skills where if you need him to play safety, he can. He's a hybrid guy. And what's the one thing San Francisco likes out of the offense and the defense? They like the hybrid player that's big enough to play in the box, but also has coverage skills good enough to cover a tight end, to cover a receiver, to cover maybe a running back. Ball has that. Ball has that. Now, what are the odds he makes the roster? I'm not sure. That being said, he had an insane interception, uh, obviously tipped right to him, but a big return. He's shown the ability that he is someone that can take it back to the house. He had, I think, one of the three interceptions the defense had on a Friday against Green Bay. Whenever you get an interception, it's hard not to put you in the, in the stock up. And it's not like he just caught it and fell down. He caught it and he ran at 60 yards. That, to me, is a stock up. And with the injuries occurring, there is a shot here for McCurry Ball to step up and play some sort of a role on this defense. That being said, joint practices start this week against the Minnesota Vikings. We also have a game this weekend on Saturday against the Vikings. I have some big news regarding that soon. I'll announce that on Twitter. You are not going to want to miss that. I know I'm very excited, also very nervous for that opportunity. But that being said, if you want to go to any Niner game this year, whether it's in Chicago, in Minnesota, maybe you're from Minnesota, you want to see the Niners play the Vikings, or maybe you're in Houston and you want to play them, see them play the Texans, or maybe you're in Chicago, wherever you're from, if you're from the Bay Area, you want to see the Niners play, you are going to want to use promo code 49ERSACCESS, that's 49ERSACCESS, to save $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek, they have the best prices, and with gas being so high, with things being so expensive, inflation! You want to save money any way you can. Use promo code 49ERSACCESS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. The other thing, you want to know any roster news that comes out? Who's getting cut? Who's hurt? Who's injured? If you just want to celebrate the 49ers, follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. At 49ers underscore access is the Twitter Hit that link in the description. That is our Fanatics link. Get your favorite 49ers gear in that description below and support the channel. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And stay faithful.